0: We're gonna go back to 2 Corinthians chapter number 3. Because you hear that, you should already know that we're gonna be talking about the administration of the Spirit. Second Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter number 3. We want to do verse 4 through verse number 11. 2 Corinthians chapter number 3. When you get there, say amen. amen. The administration of the Spirit. Say that with me. The administration. the administration of the Spirit in 2 Corinthians chapter number three. Uh, we have just finished a six-part special. We called it. On that six-part special, we told you our heavenly Father' desire. If you haven't gotten that, you need to get that. Uh, let's get right into this now. Uh, Second Corinthians chapter number three. You can look on the screen or you can look on with somebody else. And such trust have we through Christ to God with. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God, who also has made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. But if the ministration of death, written and engraved in stone, was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses, for the glory of his countenance, which glory was to be done away, how should not the ministration of the Spirit be rather glorious? For if the ministration of condemnation be glory, much more doth the ministration of righteousness exceed in glory. For even that which was made glorious had no glory in this respect, by reason of the glory that excelleth. For if that which is done away was glorious, much more that which remaineth is glorious. Now that's, that's what we're going to be talking about for us a series where we want to go now to our subject. And we're going to go to Ephesians chapter 1. We're just going to read verse 19 and 20. So you can take your seat. From the book Ephesians, chapter number 1, verse number 19 and 20. You can do those two verses. <coughs> Excuse me. Ephesians chapter 1, verse number 19. Read with me. What is the exceeding greatness of his power to us what who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places? Wanna read that one more time? And what is the exceeding greatness of his power? Now that's going to be our subject today. Say that with me. What is the exceeding greatness of his of his power power. right it said what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us what who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places he asked the question you may be seated now Heavenly Father we give you all the praise we give you all the glory and we give you all the honor thank you so very much for your grace for your mercy and for your love. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for the anointed of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for leading us and guiding us and helping us, teaching us your word. We bless you, we praise you, we appreciate you. In the precious name of our Lord Jesus, we pray. All that agree with that prayer says, Amen. 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 What is the exceeding greatness of his power? Please, just for me. Just do it for me. Nobody else. Just for me. My way or their way. Do it for me. What is the exceeding greatness of his power? Say that with me. What is the exceeding greatness greatness of his power? Now, he's talking to them that believe. Now, we're going to show you a lot of things in the Word of God. Okay, I'm sorry. We're going to show you a lot of things in the Word of God. Amen. Now, we have taught part one, two, three, four in this already. But now we are in like tape number. Five times six is 30. So we somewhere like 34. This is 35. So to be able to understand the word, you're going to need to go through the storehouse and get caught up. But today I'm going to talk about what is the exceeding greatness of his power. Now, when we just got through talking about, in verse number 17, and we're going to show you something in verse 17. Um, I don't know, can we do this on the Living Bible back there this morning? Uh, if we do, if, I want to do it on the Living Bible. Ephesians 117. If we can, if not, I'm going to do it uh, and read it, but we want to show you something what the Living Bible says. Ephesians 117. Now, everything that God's talking about, he's talking about giving you wisdom. We talked about that three, three, three week's teaching, giving you the spirit of wisdom, the revelation of the knowledge in him, and also giving you his understanding, wisdom, knowledge, understanding, for a specific purpose that you may know. Now, what God wants us to know is what Paul knew. Number one is who Christ is. Number two, what God has done. So we see the living Bible, Ephesians 117 is going to tell you that. asking God, the the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. Now that's another translation, but do you have the living Bible? All right, just verse 17. You don't have the living Bible in verse number 17. Now in verse number 17, it tells you two things that he wants you to know. He wants you to know who Christ is. I want wants you to know all about Christ, number one. Because this Bible is about one person, that's Christ. About Christ, and then second, what God has done. That's how it reads, anybody got a living Bible. That's how it says in the living Bible. All right, now, my understanding is twofold. It's number one, who Christ is. This is what you're going to find out in the book of Ephesians. This is what you're going to find out in Colossians. So when you study these books, it's who he is, what he's done. Say it with me. Who he is, who he is. What, he's what he's done. All right. Now, what I want to do is we're going to talk about today about his power. Now, one of the greatest things you will hear me talk about is God's power. Because I believe that if you are in ministry, Whatever you do, you're going to have to understand it's all about the power. Now, if I go back to Jesus' ministry, let's just go before I get too too far into this. Let's go all the way back to Jesus' ministry, and let's look at the Gospel of St. Luke, and let's look at chapter 4. The Gospel of St. Luke, chapter 4. When Jesus started his ministry, we want to see something that happened in Jesus' ministry. Now, you can go to church, you can be a Christian, but until you understand the day's teaching, you have no power. You can't, your life can't change because you don't have any power. You're going to be, remain the same, struggling with the same problems because you don't have any power in your life. And you have to understand that God has to give you something to change your life. There's two things we talked about that God gave us. And I will not know how many remember what God gave you. So I'm going to continue to go over a lot of things until you get it. Amen. So it's not enough. Just say, I heard you. But when you walk out this church or when you live your life defeated, it means you don't know. The enemy that Samson, I'm going to show you today, the enemy that destroys Samson is because he lost his power. The enemy will defeat you if he can take your power or if he can cause you not to know your power or operate in your power. So if this is not a game. It's not a game. This, see, we've been rocking, we've been just rocking back and forth in church. We've just been, yeah, amen, right? But we don't have no power. And it won't do you no good to say praise the Lord and thank you, Jesus, if the enemy has defeated you or is defeating your life. And only somebody knows you and those who are around you. So, but, but it'll never change until you stop procrastinating. You got to get real with God. Something you lacking in your life, and that's the word I'm dealing with today, and that's power. All right, now, when I give you the word power, let me give you a definition for power before I get into the teaching. Because when I go to Luke 4, I'm going to start with verse 1. But power, I'm talking about five words. I'm talking about his rule, R-U-L-E. Because first of all, if you're in a kingdom... Jesus the king, then he rules. Now, if Christ is in you, why is he not ruling? We are the temple of God. We are the place where God lives. So why is he not ruling in me? Why is he not ruling over my life? Second, we're going to talk about the word his authority. Power is God's rule in your life. It's God's power in your life. Number three is God's might in your life. Fourth is God's strength in your life. See, the Apostle Paul talked about all of this. He said, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. He told you to be strong in the Lord, in the power of his might. So we have to understand, and if if this stuff is not operating your life, your life is defeated. And then next is his working. His working. So so Paul's writing, which is the New Testament, has to do with who Christ is and what he has done for us. Those two words is what you're going to look at. All right, now, in, in the Gospel of St. Luke, thank you very much. In the Gospel of St. Luke, chapter 4, Jesus is gonna show us something here, and I'm, I, I don't really wanna read all this, but I think I should, and I'm, I, that kind of thing, because I want you to know it that bad. The Bible said Jesus began being full of the Holy Ghost. Now, remember, Jesus had just got baptized of John the Baptist in chapter 3. So now he being full of the Holy Ghost, he returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. As soon as he was water baptized, the Holy Ghost led him into the wilderness. The next verse says, being 40 days tempted of the devil, in those days he ate nothing. And when, when they were ended, he afterward hungered. The devil said to him, if yep thou be the Son of God, command this stone that it be made bread. Jesus answered him saying, it's written. Now, you got to understand what I'm after here. The Bible said in verse 1, Jesus was full of the Holy Ghost. But how did he answer the enemy? He did it with the word. And verse number 4 says, the devil said to him, verse 3, if you be the son of God, command these stones be made bread. Now, we know that was a temptation. But verse 4, Jesus said, it is written that man should not live by bread only, but by every word of God. Now, if I go in the word of God, I can find that in Deuteronomy chapter 8. So Jesus is speaking the word, but you got to understand something, Satan is too. So in verse number 5, the devil taken him up into a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of this world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, all this power, watch what he offered him. All this power will I give you and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me, and whomsoever I will, I give it. Now, the devil was talking about a power that the enemy was going to offer Jesus that was going to be over kingdoms. Remember Nebuchadnezzar, the four armies in the Old Covenant, that came against Israel that God talked about in the book of Daniel. He talked about Nebuchadnezzar. And then Nebuchadnezzar was defeated by who? to know? The Medes and the Persians, right? And then they were defeated by the, the Grecians. And then after that was the, the Romans. And so that's when Jesus came, the Romans was in power. And their, their head man was Caesar. And so when Jesus came... They wanted Jesus to bow the Caesar. They came to him and they said to him, do you know that I got power to crucify you? I got power to set you free again. Jesus looked at him and said, you would have no power at all if I didn't give it to you. See, you have to hear what he said. I know the King James said, if it was not given to you from above, and he's the only one from above. Otherwise, I'm the one who gave you the power to do what you're doing. So you have to understand that it's God who has to give you the power to do what you're going to do. All right, here we go. Now, in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 4, this continue on. But I want to go down in verse 13 and say, When the devil had ended all the temptation, he departed from him for a season. Verse 14, he's going to give you my answer. Jesus returned after the temptation. Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. Now you have to hear what he says. He returned in the power. He returned in the power of the Spirit. So if I ask you what is the power of the Spirit as a believer, do you know? He didn't say he returned in the Spirit. He said he returned in the power of the Spirit. So from that verse, we're going to come right back. Now I'm going to show you Ephesians 6, 17. See, you you, you keep saying, as a pastor, I keep saying to you, you need the Word. You got to get the Word. So you think getting the Word is coming to church on Sunday and not saying anything about the word, not playing on no word, not speaking on no word, not living on no word the next 6 days. And you'll be okay. But that's not how it ru- it runs out. You got to have the word every day. And I'm not just talking about hoops the word. I'm I'm talking about a diet, a complete diet of the word in your life daily. Give us day by day our daily bread. You need the word every day. And until you make a decision to do that, you're going to live a defeated life. And you're going to think the word don't work. Let's take it in the natural. You just eat some bread, couple sandwiches on Monday. Let's just go and eat a good meal. Eat three times a day on Monday. But don't eat nothing Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday to the next Monday, and you're going to almost die. Or, well, thank you, are because your flesh is going to start a craving and hollering and screaming because they had no food in five days. Well, what happened when you don't have no word in five and six days? And here you are trying to defeat the devil. you saying, boo devil, boo devil, but devil ain't going nowhere because you don't have no power. You can take a generator and put it outside and fill it up with, today you can buy kerosene for generators and put it outside. Plug it up, go outside about an eight hour time. Some of them run eight hours, eight hours, and cut off. What happened? It ran out of power. See, what was giving it the power was the kerosene, ran out. Don't pay your gas bill. You know what I mean? All the electricity in your house would work if you paid your power bill. So you have to understand that the Holy Spirit, look at, look at uh, Ephesians 6, 17. Watch, watch what you might have missed. You'll hear your pastor keep saying you're over and over. Get the tape. Get the word. You need the word. Get the tape. There, there, just keep on. I got it, Reverend. I bought it. I it. Anybody see my Bible? Here we go. Take the helmet of salvation. That's just one thing. But then he's going to say and the sword of the spirit. The word and is a conjunction word. Remember I told you it's just like a caboose in a train. Every time you got an and, you start another sentence. Or you connecting something. So he said take the helmet of salvation. That's one thing. Now connect something. And the sword of the spirit. Now the sword of the spirit. You ought to be able to hear something in your spirit when the Bible says the The sword. He didn't say the spirit is the sword. He said you need to take the sword. Now he's looking at a Roman soldier who's already dressed. But he has no sword in his hand. So he's going to let him know you need to take the sword. Take the sword in your hand. But not here. You're not going to do it in your hand. Take the sword of the spirit. Take the sword of the spirit. Take the sword of the spirit. Then he's gonna tell you what the sword is. See, we just think God's playing around. The word of God told us what to do. Take the sword of the spirit. Look at somebody said, take the sword of the spirit. See, he told you to take the helmet of salvation and, so I can use take with both of those words, take the helmet of take the salvation and then take the sword of the Spirit. Well, what's so special about the sword of the Spirit, Pastor, is the word of God. See, the key is your spirit must have ammunition. Just saying I have the Holy Spirit is fine. That's how you're saved. But well, if you're going to defeat the powers of the enemy in your life every day, you're going to have to take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. He keeps telling people that over and over again. You see, the enemy reigning and ruling in your life is because you don't have no power. You not operate in no power. You come to church, you hear the message one time, and you think you got it. Like I said, just eat on Sunday morning and just think you got it for the next seven days. You're going to find your body breaking down. If you practice that same lifestyle for months, you find your body going to break down mad nutrition. All right. So the other verse don't matter. That praying, no need of praying. Because to do all that, you have to have the power. So we got to understand what the word of God. Now, we're going to, we, we saw what happened with Jesus. He returned in the power of the Spirit. So I can tell you that Jesus had already been there in the words. So let's go back to Luke uh, 4.14. Jesus had been there in the word because that's where Israel stopped to get the word on their way to the promised land. It's what Jesus was. So Jesus went through everything they supposed to go through. That's why he went back through the wilderness. He went back to the place where they got the law from. Jesus went back and went through everything themselves. And now he's gonna return in the power of the Spirit. He's gonna return in the Word. He went and got the Word. And now instead, there went out a fame of him throughout all the regions round back. Before he started his ministry, he went got the word. Sure, you have the spirit. The spirit makes you a son, but the word of God makes you effective. You cannot rule and reign over spiritual darkness without the word. And that's what people are trying to do. You can't even rule over the things coming against your own life because you don't have no word. 2 Corinthians. Let's go to 2 Corinthians uh, chapter number 10. Uh, a lot of us love to quote this one, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. All through Paul's writing, he's telling you how he was effective. What happened in his life? How, how, did he, how, how did he finish his course? Will you finish your course? Will you finish your course? Or will you be defeated in life? Will the enemy take what you have? Or when you get to the end, you'll be like Noah and say, I have my wife, I have my three sons and their wives. We all made it over. If not, the enemy will defeat you. My father died at 46 years old. 46. I retired from General Motors with 30 years of seniority when I was 46. My daddy died when he was 46. All I could do is rub his head. Couldn't help him. Couldn't do nothing for him. The enemy attacked my mother after I was pastoring with cancer in her head. My mother still here 92 years old. I looked my mother in the face and I told her she doesn't have to worry about nothing now. Your son or your children is here for you. But I can only speak for myself. And I said to her, mother, you would not have to go out that way. You don't have to even worry about it. We got you prayed up because the enemy is not going to take you. My mother's here. That's happened probably 40 years ago. My mother is still here in, in a part of this ministry at 92 on October the 18th. Amen. And I'm so grateful. You call my mother on the phone, I don't care what, seven days a week she's going to say. first thing she's going to say is, you ought to know I'm blessed. She don't want to talk about nothing else. She's going to tell you she's blessed because she is. But when you go to my mama's house, I don't care what time of the day is, she's sitting right there in front of the television and watching the Word. Because she realized it was the Word that saved her. When we come into a realization, how much we need this Word and realize it's God's power, we're going to change our attitude about the Word. Like I said, you shouldn't have a Christian, you you shouldn't have to tell Christian you need to be at church, you need to get the Word, you need... you, ha- I do it because I'm your pastor, but you can't live without it. Man cannot live by bread only. Man lives by every word that proceeds forth out the mouth of God. Does man live? And you have to make up your life whether you want to live or you die. You cannot operate in the life of God, lazy. Here, you, you hear this son, you're not here next son. You might be, you might not. I'm, that's not how you're going you to. Don't, you don't do your regular food that way. You got to put yourself on a diet with the word and say, I got to have this or I'll die. I had a man that lived down the street from me. He's gone now. And his wife. When I moved in the neighborhood I'm in, they would walk every day. My wife and I would see them. They would walk up and they Oh, I mean, they were probably late late 80s or 90s. They were way up there. But they would walk every day. And I said something to him. He's a believer. And I said something to him. I said, sir, why you walk your wife up and down here every day? He said, if she don't, she'll die. He said, when you stop moving, you'll die. He said, so every day we get up and we walk. Because I'm not going to die, I'm going to live. And that's one thing that he did every day. He would get up and move. And that's one of the things I look at in the Word. If I found out where God's life at, and I found out what God's power, I have to have that. I got to have his power to live. What is the exceeding greatest of his power? Now, what I want to do, when I first heard this, I thought of Samson. I thought of Samson. Did I supposed to go somewhere? 2 Corinthians. Corinthians chapter 10. Yeah, okay, then. We're going to start. Yeah, we start verse 1, because I want to show you something in verse 3 through 7. Thank you. From here, we're going to go to uh, Judges chapter 13, verse 1 through 5, For I won't forget that. Paul says, Now I myself beseech you, Paul says, by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in present who am based among you, and being absent, I'm bold toward you. But I beseech you that you may not be bold when I am present with confidence wherewith I think to be bold against some which think of us as if we walk according to the flesh. So that's what he thought about Paul. Paul said, let me tell you something, I don't walk according to the flesh. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. So he's going to tell you this is how you operate spiritually. He says, for the weapons of our warfare, they are not current. Remember, somebody said the sword, the sword. of the spirit. Right, and, and don't, we'll write down Hebrew 4.12. we go there that next before I forget it. Then we go to the Judges. But he says, for the weapons of our warfare are not current, but they are mighty through God. The weapons of our warfare. They are mighty through God. And this is what, how effective they are in, in his life. He said, to the pulling down of strongholds. And you have to understand something. In the mind, because we have been living in the world system, we have strongholds in the mind. That's why this ministry is based on the word and the word and the word and the word and the word only. We have praise and worship here to prepare you for the word. This ministry is not built on nothing but the Word. We don't build this ministry on entertainment. Entertainment will fail you. We just celebrate in this ministry, which is saying my anniversary, 34 years. This year is our 34th year. We have been at this church for 20 years. We came here in, in, in 1999, September, in case you remember. So this is our 20th year. Can you get the Lord a big hand for that? This is our 20th year. 20 year of ministry here at this site. And God used us to build this site. Not just where you are, the gymnasium and also the other edifice, which is the children's church, and then also the youth center. I'm just talking about the recreation room. So God, this is what God has done in 20 years. My point is, if God is in it, then we have to keep moving. So you can't be satisfied with a little white church on the corner with three bedrooms. Because the church ought to grow, the people ought to grow, and then everything should be growth. So when we built this church, I built, when I said that, I'm talking about I know what God showed me. So I could not wait until after the church is full and then go add pews. I can't do that. So you may say, well, Pastor, why do we be all of this? You did this because that's what you expected from God. See, when God told Noah to build the ark, God know what he wanted to put in there. You may look at the church and say, well, Pastor, he hasn't done it yet in 20 years. Yeah, but see, the key is I don't put a time frame on God. I just know that if God said that, that's what God would do. Somebody say amen. amen. All right. So I don't, I don't, I don't look at that. I look at what God's doing today. Somebody say amen. amen. Now, let's let's look at some things. In verse 5, he said, cast casting down what is this weapon of our warfare doing? It's casting down imagination. Well, where is imagination at? In the mind. So the Word of God is your power that casts down imagination and then it casts down every high thing that exhorts itself, watch this, against the knowledge of God. So all these things that come against you come against you to attack the knowledge of God. Well, what happens if you don't have the knowledge of God or the Word of God? See, if you don't have the word, see, these things come against you to to attack the word of God, to attack the knowledge of God. And this word of God brings everything into captivity and calls it to obey, to obey Christ himself. The word does it. Having a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. So you have to understand that you're gonna, you have to be at a place. It's not like, well, I like Pastor Crump. No, no, no. I, I, I like being at Pastor Crump Church because one thing he does, he teaches the Word. I have to have that. See, that's how you develop where you need to be at. I can go over here with a person. I like the choir, and I like the artists, and I like the, oh, that's fine, but it ain't no word. you're not going to live off 15 minutes of work. You think you are. You're not going to live off 15 minutes worth of work. And he died. Yeah, he died. All right, now, let's move on. So when I looked at this question, what is the exceedingly greatness of his power, this is what I thought of. The Holy Ghost gave me this. Now, I talked about the Word of God. So when I looked at Hebrews, this is what Paul told the Hebrews. The Word of God is quick. Now, when you hear the word quick, you think of running across the highway with speed. But God not talking about that quick. He's talking about alive. See, the word quicken is to be alive. And I'm going to show you that that's what he did to your soul. He quickened you. He quickened your mortal body. Your mortal body is not your dirt. Although preachers preach this dirt. That's not your mortal body. Your mortal body is your soul. I'm going to show you that this morning. See, it took the word of God. This, is, this is, See, then when you got people tell you what, baptizing, water in Jesus' name, baptism and water in Jesus' name had nothing to do with your salvation. Zero. And yet build their churches. People build their churches on water baptism. And communion tables, which is Old Testament. And you don't have to have me to tell you, read your Bible. The Bible will tell you. Paul said, Christ sent me not to baptize. Plain and simple. Paul said the word of God to the Jewish believer, which was the church of God. He said, the word of God is quick. The word of God is powerful. See, the word of God is quick, that means alive. Then it's, it's powerful. See, the word of God is sharper. See, remember, they had a sword in their hand, and they really thought they had arrived. But when they heard this, and Paul said, the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. Then the word of God operates on the inside, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. Now, here's the word of God operating on the inside of you. By the Holy Ghost, working between your soul and your spirit. And then also the joints and the marrow. And then the Word of God is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of your heart. So when you talk about God, God looks at the heart. Because he he discerned the thoughts of the heart. The heart is the mind of the soul. And it takes the Word of God because you were saved by the Word, you were created by the Word, and now it takes the Word of God to understand you. Only the Word of God can understand the creation of your soul inside your body. So when God, when you get the Word, the Word goes to all places of the body just like natural Energy and vitamins and all this other stuff goes to all parts of the body. It does it through the blood system naturally. It does it through the spirit system spiritually. So when you get the word of God, the the Holy Ghost take that word of God and rightly divide the word of God to every portion of your soul. Just like your systems of your body divides everything to you in the natural when you take a good, matter of fact, Watermelon, which you don't think is effective, and you don't even know why I keep giving you watermelon. Why you keep giving the watermelon? Because it's the, one of the best defense of d- diseases, cleansing of the liver, cleansing of the liver and the kidneys. Watermelon is number one. You don't think so sometimes? Google watermelon. The thing about you don't know what I'm giving you. You wanna, you wanna, you wanna soda water. <laughs> I'm trying to give you a watermelon. Everything God created, He created for you. Everything. And if God's going to take care of you, you're going to have to start eating more of what He created. Amen. Somebody say amen. man. All right. Now, we, the Word of God is quick, powerful, sharper than any two edged sun. So, piercing even to the, the dividing of the sun, the soul and spirit, and the joints of the marrow, And as a discerner, of the thoughts and intents of the heart. That's the word of God. Now, let's go back and look at Judges, because I told you we want to go to Judges. This question that God asks, I believe God gave Paul the revelation of Christ's power. Let me say it again. I believe God gave Paul the revelation of Christ's power. Remember, God told us who the power is. Before I go there, I'm sorry, I hope I don't mess you up. I got to go to 1 Corinthians 1, verse 17, 18, 24. But I want to read that out of the Good News Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 17, 18, and 24. See, the reason why we don't do baptism in the water anymore because that's the tradition of men. If you get in the words, you'll see it. See, the apostle Paul is the apostle of the Gentiles. We live in a day where man say, we are your apostles. I don't fuss with man. I don't argue with man. But Paul is my apostle. Because he's the apostle of the Gentiles. We live in a day where people can be whatever they want to be. Frankly, care. It just doesn't bag it up in the book. The Bible said he gave some. And that word gave is past tense. Put Ephesians 4.11 up there, you? I know I'm taking you through a spin today back there. Ephesians 4.11. And he gave some. Oh, you have it now. Can you get a Lord a big hand? This is awesome. They just downloaded the Living Bible, so we are. So that means we're going to look at Luke. I mean, uh, Ephesians one seventeen. That's what I asked for on the Living Bible. All right. Well, we at 1 Corinthians now, 1 17, 18, and 24. All right, but we're gonna read one verse, Ephesians 4.11, before we do that, right? Y'all got all that? Man, you got to have the Holy Ghost remember all this stuff. All right, watch this. Ephesians 4.11 says, and he gave. How many know the word gave is past tense? Amen. He didn't say he's gonna give. See what people do is say, Well, see, the Lord gave apostles. Yeah, you say he gave. Now, Paul wrote that 2,000 years ago that he gave. And he gave some. See, this is not what God's going to do. The word of God's been finished, you in grace. He gave some apostles. Well, I know he gave Israel 12. And Paul said he was then the last one born out of due time. So he gave some apostles. Then he gave some prophets. I know he gave... Some prophets of Israel, he gave some prophets to what in the days of Paul. He gave some evangelists, he gave some pastors. Now you've got to understand when God said he gave some pastors, it's not many. Because he, he didn't say he gave everybody, he gave some pastors and he gave some teachers. And their responsibility is for the perfecting of the saints. The saints is not the body of Christ. The saints is the church of God. And then it's for the work of the ministry. So so God gave you a, a person for the work of the ministry. So I understand if he gave me as a pastor, then I have the ability for the work of the ministry. I have the ability to edify the church. I got the anointing on my life to build the church. So we start with five members, three of them left. So here we all come to the unity of the faith. That's what my responsibility is to make sure in this church that we all believe in one faith. Most people in the body of Christ don't even know what one faith is and I'm teaching you the one faith. But most people don't know what it is. See, Israel believed in the gospel of the kingdom or the gospel of the kingdom message. That is a faith. We believe in the gospel of Christ. That is one faith. There is only one left. See, they started out with law in the days before Paul, or during the days of Paul, there was the law that was their faith. But the people under the law could not have faith, could not get faith by the law. Because the law is not a faith. The law does not produce faith. The law produces works. Amen. Then there was the gospel of the kingdom. Luke 16, 16. After the law and the property was ended, Then the gospel of the kingdom started. That was faith for the children of Israel. Then after that, it was the gospel of Christ by the apostle Paul. That's why when Jesus' ministry, he said to those people who follow him for three and a half years, how is it that you have no faith? They didn't realize because they were under the law. On the law you had no faith. Deuteronomy 32, 20, they were children in whom there was no faith. Now faith is the substance, Hebrew 11 and 1, of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. So the only way you're gonna operate in the new covenant, God have to give you faith. Romans 12:3 told you he dealt. To every man the measure of faith. You will not get nothing done if you don't use your faith to get it done. You can't cry and boo-hoo and squeal and expect God to operate in your life. He doesn't operate like that. He moves because you use your faith. But then your faith is no good if you operate in religion traditions of men that's why I had to move it from here. It makes faith void. Religion does what make faith void. The power has to be the cross. Your faith comes alive that's why my wife bless her heart she's an offer it this time but She's the one who do this for us every week. Uh, but anyway, she goes over this 1 Corinthians 15 because it told you that you could believe in vain. Moreover, brother, I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you. This gospel that I preach to you, Paul said, is which also you have received. And this, this is the gospel wherein you stand. By, this is what causes you to stand. By which also you are saved if, if you keep in memory what I preach to you. He's not talking about what Peter, James, and John preach to you. He's talking about what he preached to you because he preached you the gospel of Christ, which is the power of God. By which also you are saved if you keep in memory what I preach to you unless you have believed in vain. So you can believe the wrong message and think you saved. Paul says, I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received. So Paul said, this is how I was saved. I had to receive the gospel of Christ. Here's the gospel of Christ. Number one, Christ died for our sins. Everybody got a cross on their on building. Some got a cross in their left pocket. Some got crossed cross in his right pocket. Some got crosses cross hanging down to their waist, but they don't believe in it. And they don't preach it for your salvation. While they've been over on the communion table giving you the communion, the cross is all over the table. And they tell you, when you take communion, get rid of your sin. When the preacher baptizes you in water, his cross is hanging in the water, and he tell you the water is for your wash away your sins. Don't understand. The Bible said Christ died. 1 Corinthians 15 says, I deliver to you first of all that which I also received: how Christ died for our sin. Christ died on the cross to pay for our sins. According to the scripture. And that he was buried. Why was he buried, Pastor? Because he had to put him away. He had to bury the old man because you could not have a resurrection if there was never a burial. God resurrect no seed unless he first bury it. And that's why the Bible told you in Galatia 3.16 that there's one seed in this Bible and that's Christ. God buried Christ But in three days, God raised him from the dead. Not to Abraham or his seed, what the promise made. He said, not seeds, no seeds. There's only one seed in the Bible. And that one seed is Christ. That's how God knows if he put this one seed inside your heart, he can raise you up a new creation. And that new man in you make you the body of Christ. You are the body of Christ because God has put Christ in you, the seed. Now you become the body of the seed. In the beginning, God brought the woman out of the man. New Testament, God put the man in the woman. You got to know how God do things. Somebody say amen. amen. So we, the church, the woman, where's the, where's the seed? It's in the woman. <laughs> Oh, look what God did. God put the Christ in you. The hope of glory. Everything you need is on the inside of your chest. If you just will believe. Somebody say amen. All right. To whom God would make known what's the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, let's go let's go to work. We got another ten minutes here and we're done for this nine o'clock service. Are you enjoying the word? Now, First Corinthians 1, 17, that's what I got back there. We're not going to go there yet. We're going to 1 Corinthians 1, 17, 18, and 24. And while I'm in 17, I'm going to do that out of the, after I do it out of the King James, Then I, I'm gonna, before I leave, I'm going to do it out of the, well, while I'm at 17, I want to show that. Watch what it says, because he's showing you the power. He says, Christ sent me not to baptize. See, when we used to preach a lot of stuff, I didn't have the revelation of the mystery. I got it now. Let me say it again. We used to preach a lot of stuff because I didn't have the revelation of the mystery, but I got it now. You yes, can see, I said this for my tape, not, not just for you. We own YouTube, we own a lot of different places, podcasts and all this other stuff now. Spotify, you know all them names, man. Facebook, you just name them, we, on, we, we out there now. So there's a lot of people here in the words. I got people contacting me from, from Africa, that's all I know, Someplace place. But I had a dream when I first came to the ministry and my wife said, we ain't going there. I said, amen, lights. Like, because they didn't let me come back. When I, when, when I saw the guy grab me by the hand and said, man of God, that's the last I remember. I would have me out. I would turn around crying. So when people call me talking about we we specking we the man of God, he, he, they've been sitting me, we are the man of God, Kenya, all kind of places. Pray, that's all I can tell them. Pray, pray, pray. Somebody say amen. amen. My ministry, first of all, is to make sure I minister to you. Amen. That's my first priority. Like I said, let me move on. Here we go. For Christ sent me not to baptize. Now watch what it says, I, am I in the? Uh, watch what it says, not to baptize, but to preach the priest of gospel, not with the wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made an effect. Now you gotta understand something. The cross of Christ is where your power lies. Then he said it again. I'm gonna go to I'm gonna get the judges out for this. And the whole question with Samson was where did his great power lie? So look at somebody and say, Where's the power? Here, your Mama, you're right here. Hello, mother. Mother Joan there. Amen. Watch this. Where's your great power? Look at somebody and say, where's your great power? Your See, great you power? need to know where your power at. If you don't know where your power at, then you understand? You don't know what the enemy is trying to do for you. You know what the enemy is trying to do. See, the key is he wants to take your power. That's why Galatians 5.17. Can you go to Galatians 5.17 come right back to Ephesians? I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians 17. What does the enemy want to do? What did Paul tell you? Galatians 5.17 says for the flesh lusts against the spirit. So you got to understand something. Samson had Delilah. You got the flesh. Anybody that operates in the flesh will come against you. It ain't just your flesh. If you're around anybody that's fleshy, they will come against you because you are spirit. Look at somebody say, I'm spirit. I'm spirit. See, I'm born, spirit. I'm born of the spirit. See, the Bible told you that if you are joined to the Lord, 1 Corinthians 6, 17, if I'm joined to the Lord, I'm one spirit. So you are spirit now, and you got to understand, anybody else that flesh will come against you. Why do they come against you? Because the flesh lusts against the spirit. The flesh works against the spirit. And then the spirit works against the other. So you got to understand, these are a the complete standoff. Neither one of them giving in. Flesh not going to help you, spirit not going to help you. That's why you get your clothes ready Saturday night. You get up on Sunday morning running for stuff, you can't find nothing. Why? Flesh not going to help you. You got to get dressed Saturday. I'm, I'm here to help you. Your flesh not going to help you. That's why so many people can't get on time. They think the flesh going to help Ah, I'll get that in the morning. No, you ain't. You get up in the morning, you're going to have a blue suit, and a blue sock, and a brown sock. You're going to have stuff that don't match. You got to get dressed on Saturday. The flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit lusts against the flesh, just like Samson Delilah. They wasn't going to make it. Because one is flesh and one is spirit. They have a different mission. One is to find out where your strength at. So she can take it from you. The flesh lusts against the spirit. If you ever find out where your strength come from, he's going to want to keep you from it. So the flesh knows that you've got to have the word. So his responsibility is don't have to kill you. Just take you from the word. You don't understand the devil offered Jesus all the kingdoms of this world in a moment of time. See, you got to understand the enemy when you get some, God can bless you, but you got to come to a place and say, Lord, I know I got to do some overtime now, I got to do some certain days now, but you're going to have to help me because I can see the enemy trying to keep me from the word. That's why you have to understand something that you got to learn how to figure this out. So you may have to end up getting getting, getting, getting the thumb drive we got in the storehouse, we got thumb drive. You may have to end up getting DVDs and and, and you may have to get your stuff sent to you, but you got that word. So you got to find some kind of way. I got to get that word. I got to work all this overtime. I got to make sure I'm getting the word. So some cars you get now from 2017 don't have CDs. So, but do they, they have the thumb drive? What do you call the B? Flash drive. Flash drive What's another word for BS something? USB. USB. There you go. I try to see it. Y'all help me, right? USB. See, they got all that stuff in cars now. We got, the, we got the capability in there now. Somebody say Amen. Yeah, a brother just ordered, a couple of brothers just ordered a whole series of the book of Ephesians. Eight series, 48 tapes. My Mother Charles had to go put on flesh dry. I love my brother. Say, <laughs> so keep your mouth closed. <laughs> Somebody say amen. amen. All right, now watch this. The flesh lusts against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to the other, they works against one another. Why did it do that? So you cannot. So you cannot do the thing that you would. So you cannot. So your flesh works against you, so you cannot do the thing that you would. Now let's go back to, let's go back to 1 Corinthians, and let's show you this in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 17. So you have to understand, that's why we had to remove religion and tradition out of the church. Now you know Paul's ministry, that's exactly what Paul had to do, why he wrote you chapters in the Bible about tradition. Because that's what he was in. Hebrew, if I I'm not going to this now. Stay where you're at, I'm waiting for you. See, in Hebrews 6 and 1, he told us, told the Hebrews to leave tradition of men. Let me show you why. See, the cross won't work. The power of the cross. And your faith won't work when you use it because you still got tradition in the church. See, in Old Testament of Israel, they had, to tell, they had to take all the images and idols out of the church. See, I didn't know. But the very thing that I call myself serving communion on had become an idol in the house of the Lord. And I was operating in idolatry. Anything that try to replace Christ is idolatry. See, the Bible told you now, Christ is our Passover. 1 Corinthians 5, 7. Well, if Christ is my Passover, then what am I up here doing? I'm celebrating the Passover. Purge out therefore the old leaven, Paul told them, that you may be a new lump, for you, for you are unleavened now. You're unleavened. Even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. See, it's not the table no more. It's the person. Christ is your Passover. See, we want to keep the Passover. That's what people are trying to tell you. We want to keep the Passover Well, Christ is your Passover. We think we can eat some bread and drink wine like the Catholic. We think we got it. No, that's not right. That's what they do. That don't mean you do that. But they also have you to come and confess your sins at a window. That ain't what you got to do. Christ died for your sins. So you got to find out what the word said and stop following people. Christ is your pastor. Well, watch what Paul is going to say in 1 Corinthians 1.17. In 1 Corinthians 1.17, we're going to do this, then we're going to, we're going to do it, and then we're going to do it in, in the uh, uh, good news. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with the wisdom of words. Why? Because the cross of Christ shouldn't be made of none. In fact, now, let's do that the good news, I'm sorry. We're going, to, we're, going to, we're, going to, we're going to, let's do it first out of King James, verse 18, and then we're going to do it out of the good news. The one I was talking about in verse 17 was 1 Corinthians 1.17, wasn't it? First yeah. 1 Corinthians one seventeen. That was going to be out the living Bible. Okay, we can do that last. Okay, well, we do that next. But let's look at this, where you're at now, in, first, in Ephesians 1.18. I don't want to scare you off. you okay. Ephesians 1.18. Thank you. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but us which are saved, the priest of the cross is what? Come on, I need everybody. The priest of the cross is what? The it's the power of God. So I got to know what, what the power of God is. What is God's power? So I cannot be moved because of you. I got to know what my assignment is, and I got to know where my power comes from. When I preach, what I'm asking God to do in the service cannot happen if I don't preach the cross. I'm asking God to save the unbeliever. He can't do it if I don't preach the cross. I'm asking God to heal the sick. He can't do it if I don't preach the cross. I'm asking God to do all the things he did in the ministry of Jesus Christ, even spiritually raise the dead, but he can't do it if he does not preach the cross. Open blind eyes spiritually. You can't do none of this stuff unless not preach the cross. Because the cross is the power of God. For the priest of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but on us which are saved is the power of God. I don't know, something is moving back there. Somebody say amen. All right, can you go to the Good News Bible in verse number 17? Something is loose back there, okay? All right. Christ sent me not. Are you there? Christ sent me, sent me not to baptize. He sent me to tell the good news and to tell it without using the language of human wisdom in order to make sure that Christ's death, here it is, Christ's death on the cross is not robbed of his power. So what happens if I use religion in the church? I'm robbing the power from what? From the cross. See, it's the cross. I got a cross standing up there. I got a cross on the building. I, have, I, always, I used to have one standing up here. I just want to get a point over. The power is in the preaching of the cross. So what happens is if I preach water baptism, if I preach circumcision all this other religious stuff, then I'm taking the power from the church. I'm taking the power from the cross. So nobody gets saved in the church. Nobody gets healed. Nobody gets born again. No power. Let's show you one more, and that's 1, John, 1 Corinthians. No, verse 24. Well, wait, no. 1 Corinthians, I can tell you, verse 17, 18. In verse 24. 1 Corinthians 1, 17, 18, and 24. I'm waiting on 24 now. Whichever one you got it under right now, it's okay. Leave it there. But to them which are called, both Jews and Greek, here it is, Christ, the power of God. So if Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God, if I preach Christ, what am I preaching? Everybody, what am I preaching? So when you go to a ministry, the, the, the pastor supposed to preach Christ, not, not just at the end of his message, and he died, yeah, he died. Really? They ain't preaching no Christ. Everything you preach ought to be about Christ. Now let's go show you that 1 first, that first Corinthians 117, right? Well, I want to show you that 1 Corinthians 117. seventeen. First Corinthians 1 Corinthians chapter 117. We're going to do that the good news. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 17. I want to do it out of the good news. Okay, that was me. So just keep going. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 17. Out of the good news. It says, Christ did not send me to... Be- oh, that's not the- I want the 1 Corinthians. Is that right? No, I want Ephesians 1 17. I'm sorry. First thing I gave you, and I told you two things that I want to make sure you understand. Paul is preaching about Christ and what Christ had done. Ephesians 1.17 out of the living Bible is what I'm waiting for. And then we're going to go. Ephesians 1.17 Oh, it's all together. I have never stopped thinking of you. I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you wisdom to see clearly and really understand, here it is, who Christ is. Somebody say, who Christ is. So why does God want you to have this wisdom so you can know who Christ is and all that he has done for us? Can't you see that's how the whole Bible, the New Covenant, is broken down? Who he is and what he's done for us. My time is up. I thank you for yours. Can you give the Lord a great big hand? Thank you for listening to the Dora Faith Ministries podcast. I hope this message was a blessing to you and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode. If you're listening on iTunes, be sure to give us a five-star rating. Also, be sure to find us online at www.mydoorfaith.org. That's www.mydoorfaith.org.